This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and music, focusing on indie rock quartet TV on the radio. To hash it out, I am again joined by one of our top contributors, our resident radio on the TV, or rather the voice in your smartphone, and that's Mr. Philip Church. Welcome, Philip. Oh, I'm, I'm just a wolf like you, man. You know? <laughs> just like me, that's right. <laughs> Are you excited? I'm excited. We've been talking about this for a while, man. Yeah, I, I've been preparing for this one for weeks now, <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so excited. I, I've come to just a, a brand new level of appreciation for a band that I already liked a lot and um i just i love them all the more absolutely just uh, god this this goes on a long long list of different acts different bands different artistic outputs just like tv on the radio just another amazing act that had a clear vision for a sound rich with harmonies and just good old-fashioned straightforward songwriting another example of a band that needs to be met with as many ears as possible now before we can discuss of course we need a little background originally from brooklyn new york the band consists of babatunde omuraga adabimbe i hope i got that right on lead vocals and uh, essentially the leader of the entire band art direction a little of everything honestly uh the <laughs> very much the front man yeah the front man i did um I did enough research on this episode that I realized we could do an entire episode on just Tunde. Just just this he's, guy. Like he's yeah, so he's impressive. That man is a force. Yeah. I I, I realized like this is the inspiration for the career I kind of want to have. He's done everything from animation to art direction to classic fine art to obviously music, film, television. 
He's a one-stop shop. Very impressive. And he also just, just screams of New York artistic talent, too, sometimes, right? Of just like, God, what doesn't this guy do? Exactly. Exactly. He is definitely... He just goes from one building to another down the block. <laughs> make this, make that. Let's just art, And move, art move, move. Off. Right, right. And yeah, it's very it's very inspirational, aspirational. I mean, this is the kind of career I, I, I want to model. But uh, we are focusing, of course, on TV, on the radio. Besides... Tunde Adabimpe. I'm just probably going, going to refer to him as T.A. for the rest of the episode, just to keep it uh, very simple. Uh, he is accompanied by David Andrew Sitek on guitars and keys, Kit Malone, vocals, guitars, bass, and Jaleel Bunton, drums, bass, and guitar. And there was also a previous member. His name is Gerard Smith, who played bass and keys uh, from 2005 to 2011 before his untimely passing that's why it went down to a quartet now put a pin on that because we're going to probably talk about George Smith a little later in the discussion section and um, we'll kind of talk about that'll involve kind of the evolution of where the band is today you know and how we are how we're going to structure this piece is going to of course focus on the art and take it from top to bottom starting with their EPs and going all the way down to seeds their very their their last LP which is in 2014 and uh just kind of talk about and discuss everything in the middle before we hatch it out of course a word from our sponsor this episode is brought to you by the novel The Entropy Sessions a tale of loss love and madness and our past present and and future relationships with technology. Find it on Amazon and as an audiobook through Audible. Your support helps us continue our journey. And you can also check out Philip Church and all of his services, his voice acting, his narration abilities, capabilities. If you'd like to hire him, you can check him out on philipchurch.tech. Now back to the show. So uh, I want to discuss, or I want to start the discussion, Philip, with this question. When did these guys come onto your radar? It was a little while into their career, um, just as far as my personal overlap with them. When they first began, I was still in high school. And so it wasn't until college that they first really made it onto my radar um, with with those first two albums of theirs, uh, at least the first two actual like full uh, LPs. And then, interestingly, they they kind of like fell off my radar for a bit, and then so wait, somehow, with desperate youth and yeah. return to Cookie Mountain, you were already kind of getting into them. Yeah, uh, especially return to Cookie Mountain. Um, through luckily through like good you know some friends in college that had good taste. So, um, <laughs> thank God. They, you know, I, I definitely um, remember their earlier work, and then interestingly, Seeds. Uh, I somehow like managed to miss two albums. I think I was just, you know, obviously busy with life and there's so much music out there. Uh, Seeds popped back up. Their their final, you know, uh, LP from way later uh, reemerged. And and that was one of the things that rekindled just being like, oh my gosh, yes, I remember this band. Let these me are, like get back into great. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, okay. So um, they came onto my radar. I, I always would see them like being interviewed on just the most eclectic, like, TV show or shit like that. I or seeing them like in a playlist and I, they didn't really get onto my radio or something I really needed to pay attention to until about 2010 with uh, one of my favorite acts of all time. We have a whole show on this band and that is Massive Attack. In 2010, they released their very last album called Heligoland and uh, TA was the was one of the guest vocalists on the very first track as well. And I remember I was doing the homework for the Massive Attack show and just because I'm an all-around uh, lover of of these deep dives into deep 
deep cuts. I uh, remember reading the liner notes way back in the day before we even had uh, a show on our minds. And I remember reading about this guy and reading about TV on the radio. And I I knew it was something that I was going to gravitate towards. I just don't know when. And thank God that uh, we have things like this because it, it really... I, it re- really made me do the homework. I went through the in it, their entire catalog. Luckily, it's this fairly short. Um, uh, probably talked talked before in our pre shows and things like that. And it was really easy to kind of really digest their music, get into their music, fall in love with everything that is TV on the radio from top to bottom. And it made me start to think about like part of the reason we do these shows on these kind of acts is like why aren't these guys more fucking famous and i i i so i have another question for you hey, timing is everything in art and there's a part of me that's like would they have been more successful if they had their start in the 90s when because they have kind of this neo alternative sound kind of this yeah this aesthetic that is maybe is a little late for a uh, little after their time so to speak uh, yeah you know i don't know that they um would have done well i i think that obviously like maybe they came out of their like early band cocoon like right on time because <laughs> I don't know that it would have landed uh, better any earlier. And I almost wonder if somehow if you took everything as it is, again, I don't, I wouldn't want to change a thing about their current catalog at all. But if you did shift it somehow forward in time, um, if that would also somehow like have gotten it more ears by now, because again, I, I don't, ever since we've been preparing for this episode, I'm asking random, you know, just friends, I'm like, hey man, you listen to this band? Like, you ever listen to this band? So many of my friends yeah. that are, are also like have big no idea, into various, right? yeah, they're just like, um, I think I've heard um, of them or like, I mean, yeah, kind of like I remember that one single or those two singles. I'm like, this is wild. How are none of my friends? Yeah. Like, oh, and I that I think that is them. the heart and soul of the issue is I really knew them only as that band with those two singles because they really only have two singles that really, really broke through. But if when you get into the other albums, you're like, oh, my God, there's so much rich material here. I'm shocked mm-hmm. they didn't get into more commercials and soundtracks and yada, 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 yada. Like what happened? What was the disconnect? And uh, so we'll put a pin in that and let's go through their entire catalog, their entire career, their history. And I couldn't find this anywhere, but I found it very interesting that their their demo tapes were called OK Calculator. And this was a nod to Radiohead's OK Computer. Um, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, if there's anybody listening, all you lovers out there that uh, could send it to me somehow, you know, tweet at us, email us. I'm, I'm fascinated to hear how those demos sounded but the 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 sound was fully realized in uh the eps and obviously the 2004 lp so uh 2003 we had ep young liars and then shortly after that was staring at the sun and then the first full-length lp was desperate youth bloodthirsty babes now uh, i want to start the discussion on this album by saying um especially in comparison to the rest of their sound and the evolution of their sound and their aesthetic it this album to me was very stripped down uh very simple stripped down four on the floor still rocking still grooving still they they have a very eclectic uh style to their sound sometimes but i i i I will say this, and if you want to argue or disagree, because I noticed in your notes, uh, you felt like they were a little all over the map. And though they they experiment with different sounds, I really feel like there is a DNA, there's a foundation where I could have probably picked any song from their catalog and put it into a different album. They are so good at what they do that I feel like I would agree with that overall. That, yeah, I mean, there there's definitely overlap in that they are 
they always sound like themselves. There, there is not right. like a, there's there hasn't been a weird metamorphosis over time. Um, you know, another super. I feel like they, they got more resources, right? They got more. Something there was more like instrumentation. That. There was more yeah. rich songwriting. There's more texture. There's more that they yeah, wanted to hard. do with. But they already clearly had a fully realized sound from the beginning, right? Yeah, they just may have not had. The equipment or the or just production the, you know, the experience. or whatever. Uh, exactly. Of just getting in a studio and being like, okay, if we all do this, this is how uh, we and do then it, you meet some yeah. some people, you know, you you make a few tips, like you tour with somebody, you you do some cool shit. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it literally just could have been the fact that, you know, this song would have sounded more like something from another album if it just was recorded later. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's their stuff is inherently them. Any of their song that comes on, there is no question. That's right. too young radio. And um, I, I, and a part of that is the, the we have to talk about the number one thing that ties all of these albums together, and that's T.A.'s vocal, right? Absolutely. And, and Desperate Youth, Bloodthirsty Babes, I, I refer to it as more of that stripped down trying to figure things out album is because we're seeing that with their use of songwriting and you had mentioned ambulance which is a completely uh it's a song with just layer tracks acapella thank you that's the word i was looking for and uh it's because you know i could see them like they're in a studio they don't have a ton of instruments or maybe they're just not good at playing a, a variety of other instruments instruments and they're like oh well we should we should really capitalize on uh, ta's vocal range which is incredible we need to talk about that here in a moment but there's just the the ability to um, create these harmonies and these melodies and something that's so rich in volume and texture and just these sweet kind of vocal melodic phrasing that uh, that's why I feel that way. That DNA is that vocal timber, right? And um, I yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably gush about his vocals, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the four up for a little bit just to say, <laughs> just because I know you want to you want to touch on some things before I move on. Well, I mean, he it it really is that though to an extent too of like you know if you look at the other members of the band and what they do, you know, there's an interesting amount of overlap that everybody's very talented. And that might also have to do with how their sound has both changed some and kind of stayed the same overall. Like you said, in their DNA, it's very fixed. But yeah, he is so I think because he is aware of his talent uh, mm-hmm. that he is very confident and is very present and somebody who mm-hmm. you know again speaking of Radiohead for instance that their earliest sort of recording or demo was it was a tribute to them I can't help but feel like inspired him to use his voice full on as an instrument not just like Absolutely. I'm going to sit here and use words yeah I mean he can be ethereal he's all over the place the multi-tracking sometimes it's simple octaves of just you know him doing octaves and then he'll bust in some harmonies and but it's almost always present. That's one of my favorite things too is that it's consistent that it gives it that extra richness. Um, yeah, he's always there's always at least two tune days on like each track, if not three plus, depending on if he's in the chorus, <laughs> if he gets to a bridge, um, you know, if he decides I want to be a floaty background here while yeah. he's doing something very present in the foreground like um and yeah i mean ambulance might have also been just the fact where he was just really grooving one day uh they didn't he he maybe couldn't find they had like an aha moment yeah Yeah. right they just you know i don't know what instrument matches this but i'm just gonna lay this down and then after they laid it down they were just like we got it write a counter melody to this and yeah right of literally just being like no this is it dude like just this is it you know and then he just enriched it with more of his what he knew he was great at exactly and i like that you use the word present and yeah, his um, besides that presence, 
his use of rich harmonies is spellbinding. And um, when I was like really, really listening, trying to really understand his approach to this, I mean, um, I already talked about range. Sometimes he'll hit like a complete falsetto. He'll hit it really high. Sometimes he knows when to go deep. And when he layers his tracks, he does it in a certain way that's not only um, harmonious, but he does it in a very meticulous and calculated and very thoughtful way because it creates sometimes he'll be like in an octave below the original track or above or if he does more than two if he does the three or four they'll uh kind of sandwich them i notice and it creates this the only thing i could think of to call it is a chime effect you know when you hit chimes over you know on a porch and it creates this kind of gliding like a sound or something yeah I'd noticed that his vocal harmonies does that within his own layered overdub tracks. And I was like, this is very impressive because you don't see a lot of other vocalists do this. Now, people use the double track all the time. We've talked about this in other episodes. There's the famous Dave Grohl double track. All of Foo Fighters albums have uh, Dave Grohl's uh, vocals doubled. And most do this uh, throughout time. You know, we've seen this from the late 60s, 70s, and obviously to present time because it famously cuts through the mix. I talk about this before and the and the little production uh, technique things I've learned over time with things like this, recording vocals and talking about music, things like that. We want to cut through the mix. So if it's a song that the highlight, the centerpiece is the vocal self, it's not always. Uh, we want to make sure that it's it's going through that music in a very thoughtful way. And like you said, he does use it as an instrument. I mean, it's incredible. The way, Even the fact that the multi-tracking of, of himself is, is yet another way that it's made me come to respect him in that it's not exactly easy because part you no, know just for yeah. anybody who isn't as familiar with multi-tracking a lot of times the intention is very much to do two takes that are almost exactly identical exactly. but they vary ever so slightly enough to give it that richness because if you wanted the same thing twice just copy paste right? right like it's not a copy paste it's that this singer is so keyed in that they'll give you two fantastic performances that are about 99% similar and that one percent is actually like the weird thing that makes it wonderful and right. and you and how you get like like you were just saying Nova like an extra like rich take on some vocals and knowing that that's the intention obviously has the song in mind and again just the way he uses his vocals and the way he takes advantage of multi-tracking in a way that is so different than so many other of the artists who use multi-tracking just speaks all the more to the intention of his songwriting and his vision of what his musical art is going to be. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, um, that's the, you actually, uh, saved me. Cause that was the point I was trying to make. Cause usually when we see these double vocal takes, it's almost, it's almost the same and it still cuts through the mix. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's still great. It's used with purpose, but he's using it more as that instrumentation effect. Right. Yeah, and go that's listen, why basically go listen. Yeah. Go listen to any Foo Fighters song and then go listen to TV on the radio. All that extra vocal that you're picking up from TV on the radio is the intentional variation of of, of Tunde's uh, multi-tracking as opposed to Dave Grohl just doing two very, like very identical. Yeah, tracks. nearly perfectly identical. Again, Sometimes like it's, it's not even noticeable. Exactly. Like so it might be so perfect. And again, like that's another difference is that, you know, you've got those notes like, I've got another, na, 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 na. play that on a piano. <laughs> that was actually a little uh, little uh, tangent corner real quick. That was the last concert I went to. Was oh, no kidding. Fighters. Cool. Yeah, I, lo so, I love the Foo Fighters. What, what, yeah. What's here's real crazy is that was the very first concert I went to as a kid without no my parents. So it was like kind of a round circle. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, you know, those those notes that Dave's singing, you could practically replay on a piano. But Tunde, you know, Tunde's stuff is so, it's, again, it's a lot more ethereal and 
floaty. He goes and he goes to every space in between. So instead of like, you know, he might go like all the way down and up and like all over yeah. instead of just being like down and up. Like there's no in between. Sometimes he he strings it all together. Yeah. And we're seeing uh, and we're seeing an evolution of that through the LPs and his work with TV on the radio. And that brings us to 2006 Return to Cookie Mountain. And and you saw like when you listen to the very first track on this, you see the evolution immediately and not when I say evolution again I I, for this particular band or someone like the war on drugs I'm not necessarily not necessarily saying a different sound with their evolution a sharpening of their sound that's what I want to stress in terms of their previous albums and then we're seeing this right out of the gates with their second LP so the foundation is the same you know but the approach is a little more a little more rich a little more sleek a little more smooth and I was I was very surprised to see the uh, the collapse on this guy uh, let me just rush through them real quick uh, David Bowie Omega Moon Celebration Dragons of Zinth Martin Perna and Stuart DeBogey of Anabalis, Blonde Redhead, and Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Nick Zinner. I'm actually a big It's Blitz uh, album fan from Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's, and I... I learned that he was a guest vocalist on that. And that's this is where we we are starting to see him branch out. That. Yeah. Yeah. He's starting to branch out and do, and this is where, just like I said uh near the intro, I he first got on my radar with uh Massive Attack because he did guest vocals on right. Heligoland. And we're he's starting to do this all over the place. He's also starting to go into film, into acting, into a little of everything. I think the weirdest thing I learned, I'm not, not sure how, how deep you went into the research, Philip. But he was an animator for Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV. Do you That's amazing. That I, re- I remember that actually quite fondly. But, you know, I don't think that uh, I think I was so weirdly focused on just the music for this that I, I overlooked yeah. that completely. Oh, well, yeah. Don't get me wrong. There was there. was Yeah. That's since awesome. the focus was TV on the radio and not uh, T.A. himself. Uh, not yeah, I actually just learned about it before we did the show like a few hours ago oh, uh, for the taping of it uh standouts of course now when we're talking about we talked earlier about you know we have those friends that are just like yeah i kind of know them there there's like two there's the one. wolf like me guys right and yeah and this <laughs> is the this is the album that has wolf like me and i i do remember the first time i heard this before i started to get into their uh, full albums that I knew these these were going to be my kind of guys or band or however you want to say it because of that huge tempo shift right at the bridge right when they it's like this fast tempo fucking like rock and song and then just boom just pull it all back slow it down and then they go right back into it when they go into the, uh, the third act of the piece and it, it and this is when they're starting to to realize their sound and what how they like to write songs yeah and you know i i, I want to touch on and build on something that you also uh, mentioned a moment ago um th- these first two lps have more i think in my opinion technically like more in common with each other than they technically do with the last three lps which have more in common. it's almost like this is a weird divider you also said a moment ago that you know the, like desperate youths bloodthirsty babes the first one their first song on that one is literally four on the floor it comes right in granted there's a brief little horn thing but it comes right in with the dump dump mm-hmm. dump 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 and this one almost couldn't be yeah, they love different. their drum machines don't this, they it, well and, <laughs> and then this one's almost it's almost the exact opposite that it comes in with like a way more like like all on the yeah, downbeats. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's so it's so different so it's funny that i feel like that very much speaks to exactly what you mentioned a moment ago that while these two have like a bit like a rod like a rougher almost like they're like slightly punkier like you know you're younger like you're still kind of got a certain thing about well, you that's why i called it neo alternative yeah i, I feel so like they have this aesthetic that is very sure. much yeah 
But yeah, I was a lover. Uh, the first track off of Return to Cookie Mountain is it, it really helps usher in the fact that like, hey, if you like that first album, do we have some cool shit for you? <laughs> we we got something for you. Because yeah, I mean, I'll get stuff too. Like later on, like uh, a method is awesome. I love that that was also uh, featured on Breaking Bad. And the song Dirty World would get stuck in my head for a while, too. Um, again, just fan, just awesome songs throughout this album, just like the first one. Uh, plenty of memorable songs, but in in their interestingly, like, again, just a little bit rougher, rawer way that not in any kind of bad way. I don't know how else to describe it comparing the first two LPs to the last three. No, it, no, it's you're, you're you're dead on. And and like I said, this is like they're trying to f- figure out or I think they've finally figured out what they want to write, what they like to write right and they're they're really developing the formula for their sound and a lot of bands do this they love and i I made just some quick notes about it they love their syncopated notes usually within 60 note phrasing they love their polyrhythms usually with the layered vocals and uh besides the vocals they keep things fairly straightforward fairly simple uh within their riffs and their melodies harmonies and rhythms until we get to dear science and then like the floodgates fucking open this is my favorite album they're they're a fantastic in uh, like example of just the like less is more institution where if you have you know like let's say three quarters of the song it, you're not trying to break your back you're not trying to be like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna blow music off its own ass it's like no do what works and then where yeah. you shine emphasize that and that's again they just they understand that they get yeah, that exactly. so good they don't try too hard to do anything like quote unquote like new or different they just want to <laughs> do what they want to do and as a result you get this new band that is very different and so damn good at it. Exactly. Yeah. They, um, you kind of said it best uh, near the the beginning of the discussion section. They, um, they have a quintessential sound. They, you know, as soon as you hear them, especially with TA's vocals, I'm like, that's a TV on the radio song. Yeah. They strike me so much as a blend of like so many of other fantastic staples. Like, you know, obviously we've said Radiohead a few times. Um, I I do pick up a decent amount of David Bowie here and there. Um, oh yeah, and and again to go to, to give an example of what I mean by like the awesome kind of like a bit more raw and rough, like a Saint Vincent vibe. Yeah, you know the way yeah, that it's yeah. like really fuzzy bass lines and things that are just a little off, off like the perfect tempo. But again, like who gives a crap if it's on the perfect tempo? <laughs> it's art, right? It's supposed to be just good. They have a very eclectic series of tastes. This is probably a good point to talk about their influences that they've set on the rec- record, and that includes Bad Brain, so that's classic punk band, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Nancy Sinatra. Serge Gainsbourg, Brian Eno, and the Pixies, as well as, of course, Purple Rain, Wire, and um, some other notable acts in and around these genres. So it, it they they do have eclectic tastes, and they they um, I don't feel like they wear it on their sleeve, though. I always feel like someone someone like L- LCD Sound System really wear their ins- inspirations on their sleeves, and they're like, oh, that sounds just like a Talking Head song, or that sounds just like an X, Y, and Z song. Where I still feel like they pull all of their inspirations together, and it sounds still very much just TV on the radio. Yeah, and in fact, that's one of the few uh, more specific talking points that I wanted to make was that. Um... And funny enough, I, I, uh, you know, thinking about these inspirations and the fact that they even got Bowie on one of their albums, but I really think that on their third uh, LP, uh, Dear Science, that the song, I mean, it's called Golden Age. It's the same tempo mm-hmm. and the same key as Golden Years. It's, mm-hmm. so, it, I swear that it is a tribute. I tried Googling it to see if they ever acknowledged it. I was that, thinking the same thing. But yeah. it strikes me so much as golden a like, years. that is that is their little like, 
exception to the rule of like, hey, y'all, here's a here's like a, a, a pretty Bowie tribute song that it's still completely original by them. Again, it's by no means like, you know, not fully original and amazing TV on the radio. But that one just like there's something tickling the back of my brain where eventually it clicked. And I was like, wait a minute, golden age, golden years. And then I looked it up. I was like, damn, the tempo, the key. I was like, OK, like no wonder this song feels so close I, to my heart and familiar. I don't know. I, I this one really stuck out to me. This really got me. I wrote um, I wrote down some tracks that I feel like were highlights and a golden age was one of those three. Like I, I just feel like it really was it was a really well made piece. And this is this uh, we should just dive right into 2008's Dear Science. So t- to me, this is their breakthrough. This is yeah. I think this is their best album. Not not necessarily. And we'll get to this. Not necessarily the most listenable kind of album where you just want to listen to it over and over again. But just on sheer ambition experimentation everything worked everything landed and what's crazy is <laughs> we do this a lot in, in our shows is we talk about out accolades after the fact and and I'm still shocked how little people know of these acts so they were named so dear science 2008 they were named best album of the year by Rolling Stone the Guardian spin magazine AV Club MTV Entertainment Weekly Pitchfork and Paz and Jop so they were they fucking killed it they like everybody said, this is the album of the year and I still I still even you know I'll have to admit full disclosure I still didn't really know them know them and it still makes me think like was it the labels marketing or lack of marketing like what why why didn't they break through to this uh, household name? One of the points that I made now overlaps with this interestingly well. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there because it's something that I did want to mention. Again, the first two, you know, and this one has an amazing sound and the songwriting mm-hmm. is still just top notch. Yeah. If you really like really listening to this, there is a handful of Tunde and he as he's a black American. This yeah. album is full of uh, very like intimate um takes on America's history with racism and like slavery. That's I'm glad you brought that up because I could not help but notice that as I listened to this and um, even just sitting around with my mom, be like, honey, you want to listen to this song with me? And even she was just like, wow, that song like really hit me. And I was like trying, you know, I was trying to not give it away, but also kind of probe about like, you know, can you put your finger on it? And she was talking about like this line and that line. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful song. Like, and I'm I'm specifically talking about Family Tree now. It's an amazing song. It is gorgeous. It, It is so it's a slow, sweet, tender song. And it's very much about like the trouble that can come from interracial love, at least in America, um, as far as the history of black people in, in America goes. And I can't help but wonder if like the studio, despite this being an absolute bank, so anybody with good taste listened to it and went, holy shit. But the studio going, but guys, there's stuff about racism and they I, didn't want to market it. I don't know. I, I am so, so glad you brought this up because I didn't know exactly when I wanted to bring this up and I wanted to be sensitive to the topic. And I also on the other end of the spectrum. I hate that we have to bring race into every fucking conversation sometimes, but this is a glaring example of was there discrimination? I'm not asking I'm not asking you that question per se, just in a rhetorical sense for anybody listening to this. But it makes sense, honestly. Yeah, is there a discrimination that uh, the um, if you actually do your homework, there is a white guy in the band. I mean, it's three black gentlemen and a white guy, and uh, it shouldn't matter well then obviously too like you know the influences again brian eno david bowie you know like yeah. sure they it have black and white influences matter like, yeah right 
it shouldn't matter, but it still happens to this day. And it made it just constantly made me think as I was getting into their their other LPs too. I was like, was there an element of discrimination here? Were they just not marketing this stuff? Like, and that's the thing. Like, people can have incredible work, but if it doesn't get to an audience, you know, that's why I've always said that half of the equation is the business, right? Yeah, you can be the most talented person on the goddamn planet. But if it's not getting to the people, if you're not having those people to help you get to the to the people, the producers, the executive producers, the people uh, that are kind of running the show business wise, the puppet masters, <laughs> the puppet masters. Yeah, we're starting to see these things. Right. So I it's it's crazy that we're on the exact same wavelength about this. And we didn't talk about this in our pre-show at all. So we're, we're talking no, about it for the no. first time live on air. I, again, I, I love this album to death. I kind of agree that I think this might be my favorite overall. And in just oh, in gem. just listening listening to it over and over again, yeah. uh, even stuff like crying. I mean, the first track is oh, fucking crying. Is the home. other song on my? I picked uh, I picked three tracks. To I love highlight. crying. Golden crying, age. Golden age. Now you have to guess the third one. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. I mean, Ooh. I don't want to go too obvious and say DLZ, but it's a damn. It's good not song. DLZ. I'll yeah. give you that. I'll Shout give you that out. hint. Uh, no, no. One mm. more time, mm. and then I'll just tell you. I don't know. Red dress. It is red dress. Red dress is great. Ah, red dress is so it. good. But yeah, I feel like it. I, I I would he need to double the check Prize. the lyrics, but like halfway home, I mean, literally, obviously, like that's the term for halfway home, as in like recovery, like certain things like that. You've got crying, which again, look at you don't even have to listen that hard or more than twice to pick up on the on the elements of again, like discussing race, you know, dancing shoes, like I think it gives a little bit a bit lighter, but then you get to family tree, red dress, um, and some other songs where again, it's just it's it's you i didn't you know this about, so you you read lyrics you're you're a lyric reader once yes? once i picked up on these things i actually specifically for this once i noticed all of the things i was like i want to be able to read this start to finish because he is clearly telling a very specific story while the uh -huh. emotion is getting through to me and i'm picking up on it as a just as a visual guy sometimes i'm like if i read this through it's gonna really make it's gonna like hit me all the harder so I, I felt that I owed it to him once I picked up on on it through listenings that uh, I wanted to actually sit down and read the lyrics because I don't typically. I, yeah, I don't, I don't typically to. either. And um, yeah, and we're, we're seeing a lot of experimentation with this album, unlike any of their other work, it, later or before. We're seeing horn sections. We're seeing string arrangements. We're seeing just really thought-provoking song structure and tempo shifts. And of course, they, they've always done the harmony game, as we've already talked about. They've always done the polyrhythms, syncopated notes to amazing effect. And then you add in a little bit of experimentation, a little jazz, a little avant-garde. And Dear Science is... Oh my God! If you haven't, people, people, listen to Dear. Yeah, if you if you did have to pick any one of their albums, if for some reason it being smack dab in the middle, I think is one of the best ways to be like. If you don't like this album, you might not like any of the rest of their stuff. To be honest, well, and it's okay. I we all have our flaws, you know. Like you don't have to like <laughs> them, but you should. <laughs> I will say this. That's a good point. I will say this. If I were to pick a album to get someone into them. I would actually pick seeds. And then I would say once they I was like, listen to seeds over and over and over again, get into their sound and then do Dear Science. I feel like if we just I feel like if we if we gave someone that's never heard TV on the radio, Dear Science, it's like throwing them into the deep end and they didn't know how to swim. I suppose. I, and seeds <laughs> is, as I mentioned earlier, what pulled me back into them, having heard them in college and then yeah. somehow just them falling off the radar and then seeds popped right up onto my radar immediately and I fell back in love with them. So I, I do think there's actually a lot of merit to what you've just said that 
because returned, uh, sorry, not returned. I was just looked up on my screen and saw those words because dear science, uh, because dear science is so quintessentially them, uh, it, it almost might be too, too, like, like you said, like much of the deep cut and that seeds is, is the more, the most easy approach. Let me, uh, let me sum it up with one track title, non-musical silence. I feel yeah. like if we threw, <laughs> and it's not, it's not just like 30 seconds of silence. It's four minutes of silence. Like the first time I, I, I thought something was wrong with, <laughs> with what I was like, Oh, did, did my internet stop? Like right. what happened? And, um, I re and there's always this, I, I have this theory, Philip, there's always this, there's always one track on these kind of like breakthrough 10 out of 10 kind of albums, mother on synchronicity, fitter, happier on okay computer. Like all the songs around it are very, you know, they may be in their own lane, very thought provoking, smart, original, but then there's this one track that like, you're okay skipping every time and also but it, it you couldn't even fathom the, the album without it kind of a thing but it's 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 always weird it's always a, it's a sore thumb it's a sore thumb that sticks out but uh there's always that song on these kind of albums and that, look, that's how i see it looking at and this is obviously just within spotify alone but also the disparity for instance as i mentioned i was like oh should i be obvious in dlz dlz is also one of their like sort of bigger hits dlz according to spotify is just shy of 40 million plays non-musical yep, yep, silence is barely over forty-two thousand. yeah i noticed that too. it is clearly it's, it's bad the most <laughs> it's a big difference because it is it's four minutes of silence and it's another interesting thing to say that like you know our art is sound and when someone intentionally wants you to sit there for four minutes, again, I almost feel like it's another way of him saying, like, have you been paying attention? Are you paying attention? Because, again, the lyrics on this album That's are so I didn't think intentional about and yeah. so heavy that I almost wonder like if it's we a way need of, a like, moment of silence. Yeah, of Maybe grabbing you to be like, is this just on in the background or, you know, what's like, what are you really doing with hmm. this album? Tunde, I, uh, we know you're a big fan of the show. If you could just <laughs> Tunde. Um, uh, Tunde, if you Tunde's could uh, tweet at us, call us, text us, however you want to yeah, get, yeah, however you want to get in touch with us, <laughs> uh, we'd love to understand the four minutes of silence. Is it a moment of silence? Is it a, as Philip put it, is it a jarring like, are you listening to me? Kind of silence. What 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 is the message, Tunde? Even the name of it, non-musical silence. What's the difference between musical and non-musical silence? What well, um, ooh, I could ooh, I could probably talk to that a little bit because if you're using like Dark Side of the Moon, there's no wasted second in that album, and they use silence to even uh, theatrical effect. And so you can use silence between yeah. songs, things like that. Or, you know, we did the whole piece, we did a whole piece on uh day in the life by the beatles and after mm -hmm. the e major chord ring out at the end of the song it goes to it goes like 40 seconds of silence it's a, it's it's the complete ring out and it's 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 saying you know this monumental message of like we it is complete you know this feeling so there there is something to be said to that and and it's track um choice you know the track listing choice i mean it's not like at the end it's it's right it's it's near the end it's like three away from the the last track so i don't know Tune yeah day, um you know uh, your people can call our people however you want to do it um so uh we're we're definitely curious we're available but we're gonna run out of time i'm looking at the clock right now if we don't move on to eps the next ep you read silence but more importantly 2011's nine types of light now i'm gonna start the conversation here by saying it was a kind of return to form but 
an older form, stripped down sound, very straightforward. Uh, how did you um, perceive the album? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that this is what you you could if I didn't know them and you mm -hmm. told me you were going to play their songs in order and you like swapped Dear Science and Nine Types of Light. I, yeah, I would probably not question it. Yeah. You know, in a way yeah. in that like some of it, like no future shock has that kind of just like, you know, yeah, the, that one, you know, really stands out. Um, Will do new cannonball yeah. blues repetition. Those really got me, but it's still, it's still, that's why it's, it's a progression. There's an evolution there just because the, clearly their, their production values, the post-production values, the, the overdubs, the mixing, the mastering has improved because they've improved and probably the budgets around them. But when well, they switched labels. Yeah. They were on touch and go records for the first three. So interestingly that as far as their sound division goes, technically, as I said earlier, the first two are the most similar. The last three are a little more similar. That's like, there's that division technically chronologically, but then as far as the actual uh, production houses uh, or sort of like studio, or whatever you want to call it, the label. That's the right word. This could go back to our marketing theory. Yeah. Like maybe there was just, maybe there was some internal fighting yeah. that they didn't they didn't didn't like they, that Dear Science wasn't marketed enough. Yeah. And, th and th maybe they were courteous enough to not, you know, air out dirty laundry publicly. And we just because uh, this shit happens all the time, right? Yeah. There's so much conflict that never gets to the public. Yeah. So the first three were with Touch and Go Records, apparently. And then this uh, fourth one, Nine Types of Light, was with Interscope. You didn't know that we were going to be investigative journalists, did you, Philip? When we it, I'm, I'm slowly turning this into a, 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 a true crime, but about music. Yeah. No, I, ooh, that, that could be a whole segment. I like <laughs> that. I like that a lot. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, I, I there's not a ton I want to talk about with and uh, nine types of light it's it's really it's good solid it's still really it's solid good. yeah it's solid and That's they still do they're still pushing it like i liked it uh i remember killer crane standing out because they like literally brought in banjo and flutes you know they're they're still going you know what what do we want to do here what feels right because they're pushing a lot of that stuff still in the background whereas in dear science it is fully flashed like there's whole instrumental parts whereas these are still more of those four on the floor first course first course you know intros outros bridges true um and that you you have things like even with those uh, those subtle parts like the banjo in in killer crane for instance with again like that just kind of being something that grabbed me um it yeah. follows his his melody yeah and it's actually yeah. i think one of the very few tracks in which i don't his multi-tracking is is very subtle due to the mix again like between the organs like the the this one's a lot more ambient in a way um, mm -hmm. so he, he's, there's actually far less of a focus on his multi-tracking. The, the banjo even follows his melody. So again, it, it is, it's a very, it's a very different take on their formula that it does still work, but I, 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 I would not really put this as one of my favorite of their albums for sure. I mean, I would much rather take, how should I put it? It's safe. It seems so safe. Like maybe they had contractual obligations. They have to, you know, that's what happens when they get signed to these labels they have to put out two or three albums in x amount of years it just seems like i mean it like you said it's solid um but is it dear science or seeds N no <laughs> or even return to cookie mountain for a lesser extent um but um it's uh it's it deserves how should we put it it deserves to be listened to it is a it chronology. is a it is a part of the catalog it, yes. it is not it is not skippable it yes. is very much still good. Like if again, if you like the band, then you put the album you're on, gonna and like you it. you yeah. you know your hips go, and you start singing. And you're like, yeah, this is good shit. Like 
it's it's not yeah it's not not a good album it's just that you know as you know as far as great artists go technically something is going to be like just objectively weaker everything is a spectrum in a way so yeah, uh, again it just, it's it just relative it doesn't quite no, hit to everything the same but it, that's yeah. not to say that the tracks are and like i could not probably ever make a song better than anything that they've written for instance like in no disrespect do i mean any of the, the like any of what I just said, it's still all great, good stuff. But what does hit the same, you're going to love this segue, is 2014 Seeds. Mm. I felt like this was, um, this is the album, as I already kind of mentioned, um, this is the album I listen to the most. I don't necessarily think on paper it's the greatest one. I already said that's Dear Science. But this one, I feel like, is just a perfect it's balance insanely of listenable. everything. Yeah. Damn near every it's track perfect balance. hits. Yeah. yeah. It, this, is, this is clearly like... Another interesting thing, too, is that uh, first two albums, uh, you know, two years there, two years between uh, Cookie Mountain to Dear Science, and then they take a little bit of time. It's a little longer to with three years between each. And so obviously yeah. we're, we're two albums due, overdue by now. But I do think that what we got out of them taking three years to put out seeds, but it, we'll it put is. A pin it's, in it's that. All I do want to talk about yeah, why we haven't seen anything. Yeah. Yeah. Tracks that stand out to me is Careful You, mm -hmm. Happy Idiot, of course. That's like the other side of the Wolf Like Me coin. Like when people are like, yeah, I, you know, like your friend, like, yeah, I know those like two songs. It's Wolf Like Me and Happy Idiot. Everyone knows those two songs. And uh, last but not least is Right Now. Excellent song. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, yeah, front to back, it's 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 perfect little album. It's great. I would, I mostly would agree. And I think Careful You and Happy Idiot are uh, clearly standouts, both between personal taste and again, just what even Spotify will tell you. Um, I actually, <laughs> I actually like uh, some of the slower gems, though. I, I, I Test Pilot touched me in a way. Okay, I, I love Test one. Pilot. I was thinking about putting and, that on and, the list. But... And the, uh, the titular and closing track, Seeds itself, is also actually quite wonderful, in my opinion. It's very uplifting. I it love it. Yep. No, I agree. It's interesting how a lot of times, you know, an artist might choose to, for some reason, go out on like a darker note sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, like a, a, there's certain bands clearly put more thought into the song order because uh, obviously there's all the recording and then there's all the deciding what goes on, you know, the album and then, okay, what order do things go on? Uh, and I, I'd like to think that it was pretty intentional. I'd like to think that Seeds was the closer because it is just such like a, like a, just a wonderful, I think it's just got a great message. It's just beautiful. Um, overall, it, it's, it's a, it's a good one. So on that note, what do you think now we can go into the conversation? What do you think happened to these guys? Why have we not, we haven't seen any output in eight years years i have a theory but i'm gonna i'm ask I'm, i asked the question so you have the floor first <laughs> uh fair enough you know given uh tunde's multifaceted approach into art um yeah i can't help but feel that bingo <laughs> yeah i just i can't help yeah. but feel that he was he was taken to another place and that yeah you know you probably can't stop a songwriter from writing songs in the background and that maybe someday he's gonna say hey guys i'm ready and i've been writing all this great shit you know, that that hasn't changed, but it's just I needed to do this, you know, just like Tom York and other people have also stepped back and gone. I'm going to put out a solo album and then we'll get together. And then turns out, oh, and by the way, I want to go do a trio. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't put out a solo album. yet. I though. know. I was surprised, too, that when I was looking into I was like, what, what, where did they go? And that it's like, did he go he, like, you know, you don't think he would go solo. Um, and he didn't. You don't see just like all of a sudden Tunde, uh, you know, Adabimpe. Did in a way. You're, you're. I think well, you're right on. Yeah, musically at least, he didn't nail just on the head. Pop here. out going, hey, you know, TV on the radio. Since it was all me, I'm just Tunde now. It's like no, no, no. You know, that's not it. But I think he just diversified because it was a band. You know, because it, it, it yeah, clearly has. It felt like a collaborative um, effort. For sure. Exactly. And I think that effort. he was probably pleased enough having done such great stuff for. 
the better part of, uh, you know, like, was that maybe roughly a, almost a decade? Yeah, it's a decade, literally 10, 10 years, five albums, um, that I think it was probably a good time for him to be like, there's so much other stuff for me to do. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, that's um, you definitely already summed up how I was thinking about it in terms of this guy is a true blue artist. He's into so many different kinds of things and he's found success with them too. So acting, acting in both film, television, traditional art, graphic design, uh, a little of everything and obviously music. And then he he clearly loves to sing and he guest spots on all of these other people's works and albums and 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 uh assist them in those avenues that but I do think you're exactly right. There's probably an itch that he was like I, I this is how I I think we'll see if we ever get another album, it'll just be a drop. It won't be like there won't be marketing, there won't be there oh I mean there'll be marketing, but there won't be this like huge like two year like coming soon. It's just gonna be like a drop like like or the day before they're going to be like hey we right yeah their their instagram or something will come out of the come out from from the cobwebs and just be like <laughs> check spotify tomorrow and everyone's going to just collectively like, like you'll hear all these bricks hitting the floor yeah yeah well just well uh, mostly us nerds and then but, but we'll tell the other people yeah oh like, the bricks on, everyone's gonna go what the come fuck on, was that guys. sound and i'm gonna go let me tell you about something yeah so i i i think you you nailed it part of it is ta but i do think i i always have thought or i've always noticed in learning the histories of bands like this when they lose someone to death remember that remember i said put a pin in uh the name gerard smith yeah um, when there's a death in the band, that usually will start to be a beginning of the end, if you will, for some of these acts. And that could have been the splintering or the start of the splintering as well, because that was in 2011. And then a few years later, they made one more and then they have had no output since then. And honestly, if they don't, if, if guys, I know you're big fans, if you decide not to do another one, you got some great work. I think here's the thing about art too. Like I said, timing's everything. There was a part of me that thought, it, would they have been more successful if they came out earlier in the 90s when this sound was a little more popular or that they just need time, that the art needs time to age? We see this all the time where it's like they're always maybe a, these kind of acts are always a little a, ahead of their time. And it just yeah. takes a while for people to be like, oh, fuck, I, I missed this is great. I just I missed it. You know, I missed the train along the way, but I'm glad I get to catch it late. You know, this is the beauty of, of better modern late society. Yeah, is as we get uh, everything is everything is available. It's it's um, except for it's that going to be except for. OK, good. <laughs> okay good. yeah, well, that was a demo. That's different. Right. So, uh, Philip, tell the good people, why do they need to get into TV on the radio? Bring it on home for us. Oh, TV on the radio is such a wonderful, unique ride that, uh, again, like it, it, the songs, the song variety is fantastic. You know, there, there's those bands where you love them because it's reliable. And while you can rely on them to be TV on the radio, what TV on the radio is, is actually still a lot, Dis you know, mm -hmm. despite it being, as again mentioned, just the five albums now uh, going on, you know, approaching almost the 20 year mark, technically, since the first one was 2004 and their EP was even before that. There's just so much uh, still. Again, it, it almost blew me away all over again, realizing like, oh, my gosh, they haven't put anything out Their Their work is so rich <laughs> that you can almost get yourself confused listening to it over and over again, going like, like, isn't there more? But like at the same time, it's, it's yeah, enough. exactly well put. Um, 
Couldn't have said it better myself. So there you have it. <laughs> TV on the radio from top to bottom. Thank you guys for listening. But before we go, of course, you know we got a little extra for you. A little cherry on top for that Sunday. A little icing for that cake. With what we call the gym of the week. If you're new to our show, the gym of the week is essentially something we like to talk about here at the end of our shows. But doesn't doesn't quite fit into the scheme of the main episode. But it's, it's something on our radar. Maybe it's been on our radar in the last day, week, month. But we got to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Um, mine is twofold. Um, I find, I'm a big um, James Gunn fan. I like everything he's done from uh, <laughs> PG porn to uh, Slither to Slither uh, great. Yeah, it's a little of everything. I, I was so glad he got his break when he started doing the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And obviously he's gone on to do uh, he's gone on to have incredible success. I think for a long time, he just didn't have that break. And finally, Marvel gave it to him. And now he's doing the big blockbusters. He did the uh, reboot of the Suicide Squad. And just recently, he dropped the uh, uh, Suicide Squad adjacent show called Peacemaker. And so I gave it a try. They they um, they 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 dropped the three first three episodes recently. And um, it's it oozes uh james gunn kind of writing humor definitely direction a little of everything that makes uh his work uh so so fun so palpable so so uh, memorable uh, as well i will say this if i were to give it any kind of constructive criticism it is a little <laughs> too sophomoric sometimes like all right guys we get it you we we needed another dick joke here, but it was sometimes they yeah they they don't know when to stop. But overall, I I am so happy to see shows like this because we're it still it gives me hope for humanity that we're still giving voices to people like James Gunn, you know, instead of um, who's who is more of an auteur and art and artist when it comes to his medium of filmmaking, and um, he's and essentially they're okay letting these kind of properties and, and someone like his hand so they can take risks. So they um, the other the other side is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, something you got me in, Philip. This is going to be a surprise. I actually listened to Fox Grin. And hey. um, yeah, so this is uh, Philip's old band. And um, they're still going. You can find them. Yeah, they're still going. You could find them on Spotify. I listened to their last album, Dusk. It's really good stuff. And uh, I think you guys should check it out. Cool. Thanks. Philip, what do you got for us? Yeah, you know, so uh, I was actually battling with two things. So if you're doing a twofold, I'll do twofold. Yeah, um, there's no rules. So you can, yeah. do, you can do eight. So you can do as many as you want. <laughs> Gems are multifaceted, aren't they not? Yeah, um, it's, it's so what, whatever you're into in the last a, week A quicker so. one um, is, uh, surely you liked that uh, the Batman the Animated Series from the early 90s. Sure, yeah. So yeah. imagine yeah. if... That's how I got into the Riddler. That's why I'm excited for the new one. Yeah. I'm like, so, I love the Riddler. That, we, this guy imagine, doesn't get enough screen time. Imagine if like knowing what... And actually speaking of the James Gunn crowd, the people making those kinds of jokes and just like the kind of humor that seems to be like rampant these days. Um, yeah. Imagine if if like that style of thing was where the Batman uh, was rebooted, only it starred Harley Quinn. Uh, hmm. Because Harley Quinn on HBO Max is hilarious um it is so good it is it literally is like wait wait is this animated yeah it's a cartoon okay and it it's like if if it's it's almost like if adult swim was able to make an r-rated version of like the, the original <laughs> batman cartoon to an extent in the way that like it, it's just i don't know i just want to leave it at that because i really think people need to watch it 
Uh, I don't know how it was off my radar for the longest time because I'm a gigantic comic book book and bat nerd in general. Um, so I think just the fact that it was called Holy Harley Quinn that maybe I was just like, ah, DC's just going no, crazy yeah. and making too many things. But no, I finally gave it a try. Season one had me like rolling. I was laughing multiple times per episode. I'm kind of picky with stuff like that. I fully endorse Harley Quinn. And to go in a completely separate direction, the movie The Night House is a modern marvel of you could call I it see, horror. this has been on my radar give uh give me and the good people oh, uh man. just like who's a uh, quick summary of the plot and uh who stars in it it's it's a fantastic balance of a psychological and or supernatural sort of tension i don't want to say horror because i don't want people to think jump scares like it's very much a tension movie with a fantastic plot in which uh a grieving widow comes to learn more and more about her late husband, but as well as the house and how hmm. the house that she and her late husband live in that he built for her um, plays into everything that she is learning about this man that she thought she knew. And I will say that I, I don't know of cinematography that I, that I've seen anywhere else. Like I have in this movie. Um, and the way that the director slash like cinematography was able to capture the aspect of the literally like the character that is the house. Hmm. Uh, it is, okay. it is, it stood out to me so strongly. And there are parts that are just so very coherent and straightforward. And it's nothing but like very realistic character building. And then there are yeah. parts where you are just like, I don't remember dropping acid, but I'm not mad. Uh, it goes batshit <laughs> borderline, like Mandy off the walls on sometimes too. And all of it hits, all of it hits. So by the end of it, you have what is very much a unique, awesome film. I mean, because it's very hard for anything these days to be purely unique. You can take everything back sure. to like, oh, this pulls off of this. And this is a, you know, an inspiration like for that. Tales. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, most things have been said, but ooh wee, the night house and the director happened to do the ritual. So I feel like he got to prove himself with a big uh, a big Netflix movie from 2017. David Bruckner, big kudos to you. I know that you're also a huge fan of the show. You can tell Tunde we said, hey. His 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 Netflix movie, The Ritual, was awesome. And it wasn't until I that I was- see The Ritual. Ritual was, was, was great. Yep. But this is very different direction. This is not anything like The Ritual in, in, in the best way possible. And what I'm all the more excited for now, I had already heard about it. But between the script uh, writer the director, the producer, basically the, almost the entire creative team behind the Nighthouse is responsible for the upcoming reboot of Hellraiser. So, oh shit. Fuck yes. Pardon my French, but I love yeah, horror. No. Again, horror is Bring one of my French. favorite film genres. Oh, yeah. I want films to take me out of reality. And I don't get to see demons and zombies and ghosts in my real life. So I love a good horror movie when things take me into a supernatural realm. And so with Hellraiser being recast as a lady, we're Pinhead. We have Lady Pinhead coming up. And if it's this is the creative team that made the Nighthouse is behind Hellraiser, give it to me now. Oh, uh, I do like to give love to the actors. So it stars Rebecca Rachel, Hall. Yeah, sorry. Eric Goldberg. Rebecca and Hall. Evan is and excellent. Tour de force on, on Rebecca Hall's. She she is the she is the very much like the main character. Yeah, she oh my goodness, she carries this epically. She is perfect for this. Every place that this character needed to be, 
I I really don't know that I could have seen anybody else doing this. Shit, man. I I'm I I need to see the night house. Most people do. It is excellent. <laughs> it is I, I was I didn't know what to expect. I just remember thinking, oh, this looks I good. Something. And then I realized, oh shit, it's finally on streaming because I've not been going out for movies for obvious reasons that I'm not gonna get into. But still, I I w- was so eager uh to see it that I just I shelled out a few bucks and oh my goodness. Um, I almost regret not just buying it because I'm already I, I'm I'm wanting to rewatch it and invite people over to watch it with me. Like it's good. Well, um, those are uh, uh, very thoughtful gems, guys. If you like that, you can always check out our kind of stuff at underscore novo underscore day and at novo day media you can check out some of our products at novodayproductions.com there you'll find things like the entropy sessions adulteration post meridium short stories a lot of other content to come now philip how do the people get in touch with you if they want to hire you your services that beautiful silky vocal silver tongue voice how do they do it my well, man? yes uh the best way would probably be to go through philipchurch.tech um i believe if uh, if i didn't screw it up it, it does link to my facebook page um but you know all the, enough of the information that you need to know about me and my background um, links to my other works, you know, come check me out on philipchurch.tech. Um, I think that's probably the best way and, um, looking forward to, uh, soon I'm, I'm going to get myself a big shiny new demo. Oh uh, yeah. There's uh, we should tell the good people he has, he has yeah. something in the oven. Yeah. I got like some good stuff it. coming. I'm, I'm cooking up He's something cooking. for everybody. So, um, the web, expect the website to get an overhaul soon too. Very good. You guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow and hit that notification bell, comment, do all the things. If you did rate and review and until next time, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.